0: Buddy, welcome to Busy Lippin' Sopa. Busy Lippin' Sopa. Hi, Weezy. Hi, Elizabeth. How's it going?
1: It's going great.
0: Oh, my gosh. We just heard from um, our friend down in Texas, and she's doing really well. And we just want to do a shout out to our friend D down in Texas. We're thinking of you. And we're glad she just started a new job and she's back to school and she's just so happy and we're really happy for her. That's great. Yeah, she's still sober. Life is good. So it's interesting. I wanted to talk about what it's like when one of your friends asks you, it's very uncomfortable when they ask you this, at least it was for me. It just happened recently. A friend of mine I was seeing um, said to me, do you think I'm an alcoholic? (laughs) It's like the most uncomfortable question. Is it not like the most uncomfortable question? It's like telling somebody like, it's not my job for one to tell somebody, for two, I sometimes think if you're asking, you probably already know the answer to the question. Right, that's
1: what I was going to say. The uncomfortable part is that you're already thinking something, most likely. If someone's asking, that I think they know there might be a problem. And if they know there might be a problem and it's a really good friend, then chances are you know that it could be a problem.
0: It could be a problem. And it's not, but I don't want that job. Of having, because, you know, it's not the greatest diagnosis to have. I mean, let's be real. I mean, being an alcoholic, it's like, I don't know. I'm, a, a, friends of mine lately are like, God, you're so into your sobriety. You're so into AA. You're so into the, and, and I'm a 12-step group, excuse me, AA. I didn't mean to say AA. I meant to say 12-step group. Um, But I am into it. I am into it. I'm into being with people that take time to figure out who they are, you know? I think that when we're, when we're running, excuse me, everybody that's listening, I have a new puppy, and Penelope doesn't like the puppy, so she barks all the time at the puppy. <laughs> and That's my background music, it's Penelope. You know this is kind of campy be recording, because we're just totally doing this. But Dr. Laura, supposedly, what's her name?
1: <laughs> Dr. Laura Schlesinger.
0: Is that who? Is that who has the dog in the background? Oh, she so has the
1: dog in the background, yeah, I listen to her on my ride home on my commute. And she has a dog that frequently barks.
0: I what do you think about it, Penelope. Well, i uh, We're not going to worry about it. No. Okay. She was there. Everybody say hi to Penelope. We are dog lovers on this show. Louise not only has dogs; she has guinea pigs, and she has a rabbit, a rabbit, and an 18-year-old pug. So, um, so back to what we were talking about. So this uncomfortability, because when you know when you say. At least for me, like, coming out and saying I'm an alcoholic was really hard. And I guess if it's somebody that's our age that's figuring it out for the first time,
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: it's hard. But I don't want to be the one that tells somebody that they're an alcoholic. Like, that's so... I mean, I know when I was drinking, people would say it to me all the time. You know you're an alcoholic. And you'd be like, oh, my God, you just called me, like, the worst thing in the world. You might as well have just called me just the biggest loser scumbag in the world. Because that's what I used to think alcoholic was. Until now, and I realized an alcoholic is just somebody who can't process alcohol the same way. And when we're in our addiction, and when we're working, I mean, then we do things. At least when I was in my addiction, I did things that I was I wouldn't normally do if I were sober.
1: See, I've never had anybody ask um, ask me that. Point just point blank never? Um, I think that if I think long enough about it, I've had people you know, come at it, you know, almost in like riddle form that I have to try to figure out what they're saying or they're concerned or, but never anybody. And I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, you seem to be, you you don't think it's your job, but do you think that if, so this person who asked you, did you tell them?
0: I did not. I did not. I, I did say I know I did say, do you, do you black out? Because I think that that was one of my biggest things, is that I was a big blackout drinker. Like, I blacked out from the very beginning. I mean, I, if I didn't black out, it wasn't a good night. I mean, I was, I mean, that's when I found, like, I I found Mecca. I don't remember anything life is good. I got really drunk last night. So, I said to her, do you get, do you black out? And she said, twice a year. (laughs) I was like, oh, do you keep it on your calendar? Like, I blacked out the day. i like, I thought it was kind of funny, because I think that we all, we never ever, um I know we don't tell the truth when it comes to that stuff. I mean, if somebody had said to me while well, I was still in my addiction, "Do you ever black out?" and how often, I would definitely have not told the truth. Would you have?
1: I probably, I did. I, I always, people knew that I didn't remember a, a lot, and I, I don't know, I. I don't think I ever was shy about it. Um.
0: But if somebody asked you, like, in a way that was kind of, like, you weren't defensive about it. I mean, this person that I talked to was very defensive about it. Like, they asked me, and they were defensive from the minute it came out of their mouth. And it was like, well, do you think I'm an alcoholic? And I'm like, well, it's not my job to tell you. Because, again, I was put on the defensive, and I don't want to sit here and cause major drama in my life with this person. And the person was so adamant about like, well, I only black out twice a year, and I believe that no one blacks out just twice a year. I think that if you're a blackout drinker, you're a blackout drinker. I don't think that you just sometimes go into a blackout and you sometimes don't.
1: Well, I'd have to agree. I mean, I don't know what the answer to that really is, but I would have to say that most. I mean, I do know some people, unless they're lying, have said that they 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 never blacked out. Um. So I, I don't know, but I I know myself. I was absolutely one hundred percent a blackout drinker.
0: Me too. I mean, and I have another friend that's sober. You know, the same amount of time as she actually is six months more than me. And I was talking to her about this, and she only blacked out once or twice. And when she did, that's when she's like, "I have to get sober. There's a problem with me. This isn't normal that I'm black that I blacked out twice and I don't remember anything." I mean, that I thought was normal. I thought that everybody blacked out. I didn't think that anybody got drunk and didn't black out. Like, i I like, do you remember? And they're like, no, I don't remember either. And putting someone in that position, it's like, I just feel like it's not my job to tell somebody if they're an alcoholic. I think that if you think that you... I think that if you bring it up to somebody,
1: you obviously have something going on. Do you agree? Yeah, and, and, but I'm, I'm thinking in my head a scenario of, you know, if my girlfriend came over to watch a movie and we were s- sitting on the couch after the movie was over and and she said, I have to ask you something, you know, serious and and I want your honest opinion. If she were to say, do you think I'm an alcoholic? I, and if I did, I think I would say, I think I would say yes.
0: Yeah, see, that, this didn't happen like that. Okay. I, I wish it had, but it hadn't. Um, it had happened with, like, I was in a hotel, and we were talking about somebody else, and I was talking about somebody else's relationship that she had with somebody that was a drinker, and it was, I wasn't even talking about this, my friend that was sitting next to me. I wasn't even talking about her, and it came out of well, Do you think that I am? Or do you think that I am? And I'm like, I wasn't even talking about you.
1: Oh, okay. So, so the defensive part came that it wasn't a, a friend to friend. I've got something to ask you type of situation um, because that is different. If if a friend um, in your scenario, I I think I might have the attitude of you know it's it's you know it's none of my business or I don't want to be the one to give my opinion on that. But if if it was someone that came from a very sincere place that that truly was looking for me to give them some feedback as to what I witnessed or what I saw or observed, then I would, be honest.
0: And it wasn't sincere. That's sincere. And I am one that I do not want to have confrontation. Do you know what I mean? I'm, like, like not a big proponent of having a confrontation with somebody who's staying in my hotel room, who's, like, hanging out with me, and it's an old friend. That is not my idea of fun. I just do not want to get into a confrontation. And it was asked in such a hostile way that I was like, I can't, I, I don't want to go there. Like, you're already coming at me like, oh, do you think I'm an alcoholic? I only black out twice a year. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that, like, somebody reaching out for help, it's like, when do you cross the line? I guess the question is, I mean, do you have to lose everything to be at rock bottom? I mean, that's something that's really interesting. Because I think that some people, you know, don't lose anything. I mean, I, at that point, I hadn't lost... I mean, I, I had been divorced and I would lost some friendships. But in reality, I, you know, I hadn't lost big things, right? I hadn't gone to jail. And I still went to go get sober. I mean, what at what point does each person get to, to the fact that they want... That they're like, I have a problem and I need help. I mean, does it have to be literally... Like you're in the, like living in the gutter and still then do you get sober? I mean, I think it's, that's where I think it's really interesting. Like bottoms, when people talk about, oh, are they going to hit rock bottom? When's their rock bottom going to be? Because some people don't, they, they hit rock bottom and they still keep going. I mean, I know someone right now who had been, Uh, You know, she came from a very nice, and I hate to say that, very nice family. But she came from a very affluent family. I mean, lots and lots and lots of money. And she had a pill problem. And she went to rehab numerous times. Numerous times and never got sober. And now she's sitting and she just got sentenced because she tried to set her in-laws house on fire. So she's, and, oh, and she also wrote scripts. So she's like going to jail for 10 to 20 years. Wow, oh. and she lost her kids. <clears throat> she never wanted to get sober that whole time, though. And then you have somebody like me who I—I I mean, I didn't get in any trouble, and I realized, oh my God, I've got to get sober. So I think that, like, when is it, and when is it enough? When is it what? And I think that is such an individual thing.
1: Well, it is, and I—I I, I know we've—I've we've talked about this before when I was in. Um, when I did my my visits to prison, and the one girl had had said or commented that she was so scared to get out because she she had not hit rock bottom yet, and and she was just scared, and she didn't you know she didn't know what to expect, and was thinking that when she got out, um, that that inevitably it would happen, and that's when the joke became. And I didn't see the joke right away, so it just you know it just proves that you know I I am an alcoholic because I I didn't when she said that I I thought oh gosh she's right you know she's she's she could still if she hasn't hit it but then all of a sudden it 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 dawned on me that wow she's in jail she she lost her child custody of her child um, you know isn't that Rock bottom, but and then I said that to her in a joking manner, but I, I, I said it to her. I said, Can we just consider this rock bottom? And we did all laugh about it, but the truth is, it, it's just it, it, it proves that people still think they can go lower than that, they still think that there's a bottom lower than being in prison being incarcerated being you know without your child losing custody of your child losing your job all that stuff you can have she i think she checked off every box but still thought there was some scenario that would look worse than what she was in and
0: i think that that can only be like and that can only be like that's how crazy and this disease is it's so cunning baffling and powerful that you say to somebody oh my gosh I'm not sitting, having lunch, having coffee with my friend right now that your friend was talking about. It wasn't like you were sitting there having coffee at, like, Starbucks. You were having, I mean, you were in a prison. And she's still like, oh, well, there's a glimmer of hope that I could maybe drink again. Or pick up a drug. This isn't my bottom. And it's like, when is, like, enough, enough. Like, I understand that. You know I'm gonna go back to that story we talked about, and I don't think we actually did talk about it last week. I think we talked about it and we didn't record it. But I think that um, you know I went and I heard this woman at that women's conference that I went to in Delray, and the woman had gone to prison. Okay, she'd been she had, she had been at a bar with her sister, and they were having drinks. I mean you can listen to this woman. She's on she's on XM speakers XMAA speakers, and she is um, her name's Terry K. I think it's Terry K or Terry C and she's from Ohio
1: and she left a bar with her sister and her boyfriend didn't want to stay
0: at the bar that they were in. So she went down the street and she had lived in this town her whole life. It was like literally a five by five, whatever, very small town. And she got in her car and she went to follow her friend and she was talking. She went to follow her boyfriend and she's talking to her sister and she's not paying attention to the road crosses over the line. And crashes into this woman and kills her 14-year-old son. She goes to prison. And she gets sentenced to 4 to 10 years. Now, when she goes to court, it's right when Matt came out. Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. So, all these people were in the courtroom there for her and uh, Raymond. And making sure she got, like, the, the most that she could get. So, anyway, she gets, sentenced for, she gets sentenced for 10 years. Or 4 to 10 years. But you're allowed to get out for... You know, good, good behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, you get probation early, and so she. Now, during this entire time, she's in prison, and she. Nobody in prison knows why she's really there, because she puts makeup on every day and she creases her pants, her prison pants, every day, and she tells. Doesn't really tell anybody what happened. People thought she was there for money laundering. They thought she was there for embezzling from a bank. No, she never said that that was wrong. Oh no, I killed someone. She never said that. So at three years, she went to another prison. As you go, to, you get, I get to step down prison, I guess, waiting for your hearing to see if you're gonna get probation. And there she gets, she, again, she's in prison and she hears that the, the judge has been giving everybody whatever their maximum sentence was. So she gets, and long story short, she gets sentenced her maximum. Pr- so she has to go back to jail, back to this other prison again maximum security prison, and she gets 10 years. And because she had a college, a high school diploma, she worked with the, she worked with the warden, which again doesn't affect her ego because now she still thinks she's all that in a bag of chips and she's working, even though, again, she's in prison, but she's working for the warden. And she, finally somebody comes up to her and says, I guess it was a, a chaplain or something, and said, we have a 12-step, an intensive, intensive recovery program here. And I think you're an alcoholic. Are you interested in participating? She said, yes, right away. And it was so intensive, it was like every day from nine to five. And when she went there, her first thing was like, she went with her lip, her makeup on, she went with her creased pants and she acted like I didn't really do anything. And the chaplain said, I want you to stop wearing that makeup. Done, no more makeup. So she had to stop wearing makeup. Then it was time for her to tell her story to all the other inmates. And her first story that she told the inmates was a very watered down, very, you know, didn't seem so bad story. And the story she told, everybody, of course, still yelled at her. And all the other prisoners that, had heard, that were in this um, recovery program with her went off on her. And it wasn't until the chaplain looked at her and said, no, nah, it was at 5 o'clock and it was a Friday and she's going back to her cell. And the chaplain looks at her and says, yeah, you know what, the next time you come, when you come on Monday, I want you to write a letter to the boy you killed. And when she wrote the letter to the boy she killed was the first time she really recognized what alcohol had done. To, what alcohol had caused her to do. Someone that was, you know, was on a great path in life, right? Mm -hmm. And one night she goes and picks up a drink and crosses the line and kills someone. That's how crazy and insidious this is. So when someone says, this is my bottom, like, what does your bottom have to be? Do you have to kill someone? Do you have to? Um, does my friend who thinks she has a drinking problem, I know she's like, her car's in the shop right now because somebody hit it, quote unquote. She's had boots put on her car. I mean, just like crazy. She just lives in, it's dramatic, a crazy life. But, and she says to me, do you think I'm an alcoholic? Well, it's not my job. I know there's a questionnaire out there that says, are you an alcoholic? It's that 20 questions. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll put a link to it on this podcast this week. But um, I remember answering those questions and I was like, oh, my God, I just passed that test with Come on, because I got them all right. Yeah. It was yes to everything. You know, and it's um, it's a hard thing. But if your life, if when you drink, bad things happen. And it might not be every time you drink something bad happens, but when bad things happen, are you drinking? That might be a sign.
1: I remember um, there was uh, this woman who started, and you might know who I'm talking about. Um, but she started this was years ago. A it wasn't an AA, but it was it was a drinking responsibly type of program that that she founded and she, and it took off because I mean, what, what better for an alcoholic to find out that they could actually drink, but yeah, there, there is, (laughs) you know, so she had a lot of followers and, um, and she was kind of, she was living a lie because she was drinking a lot. And, um, anyway, long story short, she had gone out one night, um, and she crossed it just reminded me when you said that crossing over the lane she went over onto the other side of the highway and crashed into um a father who had um a divorced father who had his daughter in the car he was had her for that weekend and um i don't know if i have the story completely straight but the 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 whole thing was is that she killed both of them now The next day, she was in the hospital and her two sisters came in to see her. And when she looked up and saw her sister, she said, hey, you know, like, what happened? She had no idea that she had gone onto the other lane in the opposite direction and killed a father and a a daughter. No idea. And her life just completely changed forever. Um... So it just made me think of that because, you know, you just, I'm sure that woman, you know. I'm sure she's
0: a member of the 12 Steps now in wherever she's in prison. And it's, um, it's crazy because we'll do whatever we can not to quit drinking because we want to be able to have, you know. For me, it was like the fear of having those feelings. I did not want to have feelings because I thought if I have feelings, I'm going to break. I'm going to become like Humpty Dumpty and you're going to never be able to put me back together again. And I still believe that. Like I believe that if I, you know, I I think back to those times and I truly believe that. I thought if I ever get really raw, if I really let that guard down on my heart, if I really am honest with somebody about what I've done, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to live with myself. And, you know, ironically we've been talking about there's a step in Alcoholics Anonymous and it's the fourth step. And the fourth step is where you kind of, for lack of a better word, it's like you kind of get to your penance or for the people that are Catholic, it's like you go and you tell your, um, you tell your sentence to a priest, right? hmm Confession. It's your confession. And this can, when you do it in the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, you... You do your confession kind of, but you take, you look at your part in it. You don't go out and say 12 Thou Marys and now you've been redeemed. I mean, God's already redeemed us anyway. I mean, God's already forgiven us and everything else. But when you do those and you see where your part is in it, it gives you such freedom.
1: Absolutely. And I haven't done it thoroughly, but I can say that just in the little that I've done, it's amazing the transformation it's amazing how you can see something or someone so differently in your circumstances for so long so many years and you can finally and I've always been one to I I always have said that I own my stuff and I think I always have even in in the thick of my addiction um I still own stuff and but it's just such a it is so freeing and and wonderful i mean if you if you can wrap your head around the you know the idea that this is all you know it's just it's progress and and it's and it helps you so much it's painful bringing it up and it's painful looking at it but you know like they say in anything even going to couples counseling or anything like that it, it, it's going to get worse before it gets better And it kind of feels like that in a little way when you start to really, really dig a little deeper into relationships and start to start to remember people that you've forgotten about that that impacted you in your drinking or, you know, it's it's amazing.
0: It's completely amazing. And what the best part is, it's like the secret that we have that's deep down inside. And if we don't tell that secret to one person and we take it to our drinks, that could kill us. Mm-hmm. It could literally kill us because we keep drinking over, it, drinking over 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 it. And there's no freedom from that. But you tell someone and automatically right then that secret doesn't hold such validity. You look at it and you write it down and you're like, hmm, this wasn't as much of a big deal as I thought it was. You know?
1: Yeah, and like anything else, I mean, you you know, just in life, when you, when you really stop and think about issues that you've had with a person, I mean, it, 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 when you really stop and and think about it and look at it, you do, uh, I do often realize that the reason why I was so upset or so um, felt so personally attacked or whatever the case is, you know, that, that it it's it's totally different now that I look at it. I'm looking at it in a whole different way, and I can see my part whereas I couldn't see it before. And I've done that you know, with just my you know my family members um you know it's 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 hard to look at, but once you start to realize and you start to kind of peel away those layers as they say, it's it's um it's like liberating or something i mean it's It's
0: completely free because we've looked at it for so long with these set you know determination and opinions that we think are the word of the lord and our opinions are so strong and we believe it to be true this person believes this about me and this is why i feel this way about that person and when in reality none of it's true Mm -hmm. it's none of it's true but we sit here and we carry and we believe it and we believe it in our heart because We don't believe in our hearts that we love ourselves enough, so how can that person really love me? She says she loves me, but she really doesn't. You know, look at if she really loved me, would she treat me like this? Why does she have to micromanage me? Why does she have to watch over me? She says that she's going to be, that I, go do this on your own, but then she comes back and checks everything you do. And you're like, wait, I thought you said you trusted me. Do you really trust me? And then when you write it down, you're like, Oh, wait a minute. I totally get it. I don't have to look at this like, okay, she doesn't trust me or anything else. I can look at it like, oh, she wants to just be watching what I'm doing because whatever is going on with her. And it's not about the trust of me because I believe in me. But when we don't believe in ourselves, we give that off that impression to other people. And I know I've done that a billion times. I, you know, I was carrying around some shame for a while and I really felt shameful and I would... Walk around and I'd be like, oh, this person thinks this about me. And this person thinks that about me. Those first people weren't even thinking about me. <laughs> God, what a waste of time <laughs> and energy, I swear to God. Because most people aren't thinking about us. They're thinking about themselves.
1: Exactly.
0: But that whole thing, like coming back to like the friend asking you, do you have a drink? Like, I don't want that job of having to tell my friend when she's in a state of whether or not she's an alcoholic. Go take the test. If you pass the test, great. You're an alcoholic. Are you still going to do anything to change it? I doubt it. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. I shouldn't even say I doubt it. Because I don't know. Yeah,
1: I I mean, I would think that the first thing I would say is, do you think you are? Um, That that would seem to come out naturally for me.
0: Oh, and I did. Yeah. And that's when she said, well, no, I only black out twice a year. (laughs) Okay. I mean, whatever it is, I don't care. I love you anyway. I don't care if you drink too much, if you don't drink too much, if you, I I mean, I'm going to love, a friend is a friend, right? Mm -hmm. If you love someone as a friend unconditionally, then you love them unconditionally. But if you're walking around with your preconceived notions, it's very hard to love somebody who doesn't really even know who they are.
1: Yeah.
0: And that are hiding behind their stuff.
1: And I think that even if you don't come out and say what you think, I think just talking, even if it's in the broadest terms, I I think that, you know, I think people ask because they're unhappy or they're wondering and they're, you know, they're, they're scared. Yeah. I mean... You know, I've had people talk to me about it very, you know, um, it's not direct, like I said, but um, I just think people get scared. I know I did it with people that I knew were, you know, that were sober or, you know, and I, I would beat around the bush or I would, you know, I I just, I wanted to be sober. And so I would ask questions or I would seem curious. But I was never, you know, I was just never direct.
0: Yeah, and and as you said, like, you were never serious. And it's like, and you also just said, I wanted to get sober. I mean, for me, I don't feel like I wanted, like, a lot of people say, I tried to get sober, and I tried to do this, and I tried to do that. I mean, I, I, I have to be completely honest. I didn't really try to do anything before I got sober. When it was fine, when the chicken... When I, when that guy came up to me and said you're an alcoholic, it was like all bets were off. I was done. Like, I was cooked at that point. It was like, okay, guess what? The gig's up. This total stranger just called me an alcoholic. Oh my God, I need to do something. And when I did, you know, that was my one, that's the only time I've come in. Like, I haven't had to go out again because that was just enough. Because I knew, like you said, I knew I was. I knew I had been for a long time. I didn't wasn't ready until I was ready Mm -hmm. was the real thing. I wasn't ready till I was ready. Right. And when I was ready, I was ready and I knew like I've had enough to drink in my life. I've had enough. I mean, I've done it. I have partied. (laughs) (laughs) I've done it. I've been there, done that. But I want people to know that if you are there and you're like, I don't know yet. It's okay. If you don't know yet, if you want to keep investigating, keep investigating. I just hope that you, during your investigation you don't get hurt or you don't hurt somebody else.
1: Mm-hmm. That's what I would have said. Right? Mm-hmm.
0: Weezy, thanks for today. And Thank everybody you. that's listening, we have a, you know, I um, I have an awesome person that I interviewed at the College of Charleston who runs the recovery group at the College of Charleston and he's awesome Wood Marchin, and he will be on on Thursday. So please listen on Thursday. And until next week, I guess I don't have to say until next week until next time keep getting busy living sober bye bye bye